Hey, Goose Buddies, it's Chad. Formal apology for the audio on this episode. We tried our best to fix it. You might notice some rumblings and mumblings as you listen. Otherwise, it's a great episode about mummies and how to hide a body in the most unlikeliest of places. Also, make sure you check out the Goosebuds subreddit. That's r slash Goosebuds. Also, thank you very much for the music uh, by Seth Ernest. You can check out stuff on SethErnest.net. Also, thank you to the wonderful Molly Helms for the cover art. You can find her on Instagram at MallZ, and that's M-O-L-Z-1-E-E. All right, guys, enjoy the episode. To Goosebuds, ow, episode ow. five. That's right. We are. We have five. We're still going. We did five. Uh, we actually been doing been doing pretty great. I will touch on that a little bit later on how wonderful we've been doing. Thanks to all you guys, uh, guys. It's uh, and a book that we're about to cover today is a bit of a weird one. I had absolutely no memory of it. I don't know. Uh, what about you guys? Uh, I skipped this one because mummies were boring. Did you skip it? Are you fucking kidding me? No, 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 no. I didn't skip it now. <laughs> I did my job. <laughs> when he was a kid. <laughs> when I was a kid. Past Paul skipped it. <laughs> you skipped it as a kid. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, my name is Dominic, and uh, I don't. I think I owned this one, but uh, I, did, I did not read it. I, don't, I didn't read many of them, honestly. I think I just collected them. Yeah. Uh, let me explain. If you guys have never actually listened to Goosebuds, uh, this is a show where we three wonderful people review the acclaimed works of R.L. Stein and break them down for you. We're going through it chronologically right now, and uh, we take a keen eye to it. That's, that seems fair, right? Oh, yeah, it's very keen. I, th- I would say we're experts at this point. Yeah, I mean, five in, yeah. Yeah, you know how like some people like story structure experts? I'm only good at story structure for Goosebumps now. Yeah. Well, I, I, what I'm trying to say is that if there is an ancient aliens theory involving goosebumps, I can go beyond ancient aliens. That's one of yeah. We should jump into it. Um, we should also catch up because it's been uh, almost a month since we recorded the last one. Uh, I'm sure a bunch of crazy stuff has happened. Can I tell you guys what happened to me? Is I went to go see the Imitation Game last night. Okay. Now an Academy Award winner for best adapted screenplay. Mm. Uh, have you guys seen it? Have no. not seen it. It's uh, about a young man named Alan Turing, who basically invented computers, mm-hmm. uh, played by Benedict Cumberbatch slash Sherlock slash Khan, but not Khan, depending on how Star Trek Two played out. Uh, as uh, in the early like World War Two, just inventing machines and being persecuted as a gay man, and how it destroyed his life. And it's a real, it's a, it's it's a great movie. Not really uh, a happy film. Very sad. You're uh, very emotional when you get done with it. Great piece. Drive home to my wonderful Hollywood apartment. And uh, what do I see but uh, three gay guys having sex in my parking space. Wait, what? what? So <laughs> I live in beautiful Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. And uh, in my outdoor street parking space, there were... Uh, three men or two men and a lady could not tell, <laughs> uh, having sex in front of my parking space next to my girlfriend's car in, 
in the street? Well, it's like it's like off the street, like tandem parking. So you can access it from the street. Okay. Uh, okay. Just we're pull, pulling in the songs and that are inspired from the <laughs> imitation game are still in my head. <laughs> 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 uh, and I, I'm sorry, I should correct. It wasn't just three people. There was a fourth man on a bicycle just standing nearby and watching. <laughs> I, oh. I, I'm kind of guessing that guy just rode up and was like, well, I might as well watch this. Hey, free show. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is what Hollywood's all about, that entertainment that I, <laughs> I heard. And, a star uh, was born. <laughs> Can I ask, So, were, were any sort of, was leverage being used? Was there like a car being used as a surface? Or was this going on well, on the asphalt? against... They were against the girlfriend's car, but the middle person was on the ground between the two standing up people. Well, that is graphic enough. <laughs> Wait. Uh, <laughs> so it's near. I think the car was. They were. They ha, you were aware of the car when it's two feet away from you. I'm sure it was a hand rest at some point. No, I mean, you know what? I I could have been wrong. They could have been uh, doing a gospel song, <laughs> and it got really uh, emotional at the part that you pulled up. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what you're supposed to do. I got out of the car and did a polite like, uh, "Excuse, uh, excuse me, uh, hello. Is, is is everything okay?" Just left the lights on them so they're aware of my presence. Right. Uh, the bicycle man, the uh, the voyeur, if you will, uh, commented to me. <laughs> asked again if everything was okay because uh, who knows maybe someone's dying and these people are, are helping them maybe this was like a moment where i needed to come and, and participate uh and they just told me they would leave uh shortly which they did uh and then uh two more homeless people that evening uh sorry one more homeless person that evening uh yelled at me for walking past him so hollywood's <laughs> <a great> place. <laughs> So I went and, and visited your apartment, and the inside of your apartment is very nice. But when I pulled up to you. it, I was like, Chad, I know you're an L.A. vet. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, Hollywood itself is not really a great place to live. We found a nice little apartment that was steel. I'll tell you, uh, we are, I think we're all fans of the beloved Patton Oswalt. Uh, his brother, Matt Oswalt, which I know on Twitter for me, a comedian guy, I've seen him around town all the time, uh, especially like my local Starbucks. Wasn't sure if it was him, but I was pretty sure. And Patton's on a podcast. Sorry, this is a podcast where we're just talking about a podcast. Yeah. Uh, Patton's on a podcast this last week or so where he's describing about his brother, Matt. He's like, well, where's, and they're asking, where's your ma- brother live? He's like, oh, the biggest shithole in town. <laughs> it's the worst. And he's describing my block. Like, oh, section. God. Um, uh, so maybe it'll make me a better person. But, you know, just while those two dudes... We're hooking up with that other uh, non-sex person. I was like, "Oh, Alan Turing, your oh, your legacy is intact. The beauty <laughs> of the machines." Uh, well, so I, I missed this part. They were homeless. Well, this is me judging. Okay, because well, I mean, could have just been if, artists. You figure if they're having sex outside, they probably they don't have a home. Probably don't have a house to go to, unless it was just gonna. It was like really good sex and they're like we can't wait for this we got to do this now. this is gonna it, it be could have been street performance we gotta maybe. go I mean, buy this been guy's like, girlfriend's uh, you know, car. vanguards of of entertainment <laughs> do you guys anything anything going on this last couple weeks uh that's not uh your cars being degraded by uh body parts uh, uh, well our, our cars got degraded by snow we had a couple of snowstorms yeah, snow oh yeah i heard about this i i, I gotta i gotta tell you the one time it snowed it was on valentine's day and it didn't snow too much no but on valentine's day i (laughs) went to franklin fountain in old city here in philadelphia 
mm-hmm. some of the best ice cream I've ever had. When you make it out here, we will take you there, Chad. Oh, I saw some photos that you posted of it. And in a weird way, I mean, uh, your girlfriend's wonderful, Don, but I kind of just wanted to be dating you. It just seemed like a really great time. Uh, uh, Corey read me your comment, which was pretty much that, and it made me laugh very hard. (laughs) I got to say this about the snow real quick, because Don was just talking about the snow. Ain't nobody fucking outside right now in Philadelphia. No, not in Philly. Maybe maybe to stay warm. (laughs) Fucking for warmth? Yeah, I guess I could see that, yeah. We're just like can we talk about aggressively how cuddling? It's getting, yeah, yeah. Can we talk about how like you guys have like giant blizzard snowstorms and it's eighty degrees in LA? I think I think the world's ending, right? We, like we that's, can't that's talk totally about what's happening. that, but it's just gonna make me mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I know Goosebuds is supposed to be actually a, a climate change watching podcast. <laughs> yes, it feels <laughs> like. Every year is just like, oh yeah, just didn't snow this winter. Well, no, no big deal. Well, Dom was just laying out to me with his expertise on goosebumps that there's an ancient alien ritual mm-hmm. that was predicting this coming global yeah, warming. Yeah, if you actually read uh, Night of the Living uh, Dummy Two, uh, if you read it backwards, there's some pretty interesting information when you read words mm-hmm. backwards. Yeah, I mean, like most uh, of them don't mean anything, but every now and then a word pops up, and it's cool. Dom, I'm pretty sure we all agreed to not read the Goosebumps books out of order because the knowledge contained within is dangerous to the mind if not read in the proper charts that R.L. Stein had ordered. You know what? You're right, and right. Uh, I would usually just take full blame here, but uh, I've read that when I was a child, when I was researching ancient aliens, when I was an ancient <laughs> Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> is, wait, is that how you interpret it? You thought you might be one of those people? I said, I, one day someone's going to need a guy to talk about goosebumps. <laughs> and I'm going to be ready. That was really... And, and I think it's paying off. Here I am. <laughs> That was a selfless move uh, on your part, dude. Good job. Oh, well, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, you know, to be completely honest, I don't remember what happened to me in the last month, but I do remember what happened to me last good. night, and it was that I watched The Running Man for the first time. Oh, it's the oh, dopest. My God. Wait for the say for the first time. I'm sorry, the first time. I had never seen The Running Man, and last night I was like, "That's going to end tonight. It's happening. I'm watching it." You loved Running Man, right? I need to know how you felt. Okay, about Running Man. okay. Uh, the worst opening scene of all time, his acting. I I am not a big like pick on Arnold Schwarzenegger for his acting. I think he does good for what he for what he is, you know? Like I think he can pull off a lot more than I'd expect from him. That was some of need to redescribe what this scene is. It's when he's flying in the helicopter and they're flying towards the city and to like kill these people and he's like, No, I will not kill innocent civilians and he just says that and like but he says it like really wooden, like he's just like staring yeah. straight ahead and he just says it like he's reading it off the screen right in front of him. And it's Pretty bad, but but then once he gets into prison, it gets real good. I yeah, I will say this: uh, Running Man, my favorite Schwarzenegger film by far. Yeah, I will. I love what I love about it is first, only the good people escape from jail. Of course, <laughs> so that was cool that all the rebels got out and none of the real bad guys got out. Um, if you guys don't know what Running Man is, uh, let me put it this way: it's about a dark TV show world. Where people are put in essentially like American gladiators, but people can die. Yeah. And all of the killers have themes, mm-hmm. including one man who is a fat opera singer with a light bright suit who drives a go-kart and shoots lightning, and his name is Dynamo. Dynamo. And he tries to rape someone in that movie. Yes, he does. Yes, Wait, he does. what? I don't remember that at all. The, the uh, female lead. 
Oh, should I take it back? That's my favorite movie. Then does that make me, <laughs> no? He's a bad guy. Bad? That's that's the, bad no. guys are allowed to act that way in a fictional world. Yeah, she, but she electrocutes him by shooting the the water thing, and it gets everywhere. Spoilers for oh, Running yeah. Man. Everything in that movie, yeah, everything in that movie is a setup for a pun death. Oh, line dude, by Arnold yeah, it's got some great. It's got some great one liners. You know, here's what I love about old action movies nowadays. Anybody can be in an action movie. You go to a personal trainer for like three months. You put on some muscle. You know, you start looking good. <laughs> you're gonna be in an action movie. You know, Tobey Maguire yeah, was Spider. Yeah, not Chris that Pratt's great. a great example. Chad. Yeah, Chris Pratt. Exactly. Back in the day, they were like, "These guys can't act, but we need muscles in this thing." Because the first scene that I'm gonna see of Arnold when he's when he's in jail, I want him carrying a steel girder on his shoulder because we got to show that this dude is tough right off the bat. So like, the, so oh, of course. So like everybody is super jacked and it's it's like to be an action hero you had to be like otherworldly strength and it's awesome they were actual warriors yes like like uh oh i'm sorry i'm completely blanking the guy jesse from, the body uh, no the uh giant blonde guy from uh rocky three uh ivan uh ivan drago What's oh, Dr- oh uh dolph lundgren yeah dolph lundgren dolph lundgren is a god. I think we might have talked about it already. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren is a perfect human being who has like three made like three master degrees, can play drums, yeah. knows karate, like a nuclear physicist. He is the perfect person. Yep. I think I saw him a video of him online where he was on like a like a game show and he's singing and then he goes and plays the drums and then does the drum solo and then gets up and sings some more and does some dancing and I was like this guy is amazing. What yes, show it's, it's, uh, was that? conversation by Elvis. <laughs> like if we've already talked about this, I'll go through the other goosebumps cuz I'm pretty sure we talked about this already because we how could we not? But they're perfect people. They are. They really are. I tell you who's perfect in that movie is Jesse the Body Ventura. Oh hell yeah, Mr. he's Freedom. amazing in that movie. I love that. He's my favorite part of that movie. He's he's great. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's also kind of a very dark. Co- I mean, it's, it's a Stephen King. I forgot it was a Stephen King story. It's way. It's a super heavy commentary on like what TV will be and like entertainment and yeah. violence. Uh, the ending of the real Running Man book ends with uh, him crashing a plane into the TV studio. Spoiler alert! Oh shit! I didn't um, know that. The, the book is is way different from the film. Uh, so uh, it's one of those things where Stephen King doesn't like the movie. Because uh, it wasn't like what he wrote, <laughs> which is every movie that's ever been adapted for Stephen King, pretty much. But Except how did for... he feel about the guy with the chainsaw that Arnold Schwarzenegger cut in half and said, "I guess you had to split"? How does he feel about? <laughs> that? He probably liked that part, like we all like that part, because you have to be American. Fuck yeah! <laughs> uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but uh, I have this side theory that the only way for the human race to really uh, evolve and go to the next stage is we need to start taking the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Dolph Lundgren to the world. And uh, having them have a child with some of our brightest minds in the world, so kind of like chatter. Uh, chatter, are you proposing eugenics to us right I'm, now? Listen, I, that's a word some people throw around. I think you're proposing the plot to Terminator. One of them. One of them has to do. I think with it's that. the plot to World War Two that he's proposing to <laughs> no, us. What I'm saying is, is no force, no one dies, no one has their life ruined. Merely, Put, let's say you're. Uh, let's let's invert it. Let's say like Gina Carano. Uh-huh. One of the most beautiful, strongest, like, fighters in the world. Uh, a terrible actress, but she is prime physical condition. Yes. Gina Carano should live her entire life however she wants, but the government should offer her a large sum of money <laughs> to have a child with, like, say, uh, uh, Elon Musk. Like, just one <laughs> and, just see, and see what that kid becomes. I, I don't know if we need the physical feats anymore. We kind of have... 
radio-controlled killers now. <laughs> yeah, but it could be really cool to have an Elon Musk that was also really buff and could be in action movies. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. I'll counter back this way. This makes it a little bit different. Instead of just combining all of the best parts of everyone, we start making uh, cast systems so we can start becoming more of like a Zerg hive. That's Where better. the smartest people breed and the strongest people breed. Yes. And then we just have like a warrior class and like a mind class. Specialization. And then like... Like a chef class. Yeah, chef yeah. class. Like yeah. A- you, you know what's funny that you bring up eugenics because uh, that play- I felt like it played a big part <laughs> in Curse of the Mummies too. <laughs> that's the first. That's the first line of the podcast. It's just funny thing about how you bring up eugenics. <laughs> I think uh, before we go on to the book, which we should move on to right now, I'm just going to call eating class, which is going to be the class that's going to eat the chef class's food because we're going to need that. Call it. Oh yeah. True. Call it. <laughs> They're True. the most unnecessary class, other than just to keep the cycle going. Yeah. You get the bang and eat, dude. I love it. I'm in it. Let's do it. I am surprisingly excited to talk about this mummy book. I don't know how you guys feel. Oh, Dom and I, we didn't we never tried to talk about it beforehand, but we were sitting there while we were like waiting for, you know, the time to come around to record and we were talking about it and Dom said Go ahead, Dom. This is the best Goosebumps book so far. <laughs> it really is. Why was everyone ragging on this? Because I had a bad I, memory of it, too. I didn't read this one um, this time. I lied to you earlier. Didn't read are it. You fucking, Fuck are you, you fucking kidding me, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> no. Are you fucking... D- Chad, I absorbed this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I should trust you more. I should, I should expect better of you. <laughs> trust restored. Trust restored. Uh, no, I, I read this one and I, I didn't read it as a kid, but I read this one now and I really wasn't looking forward to it because I thought it was kind of a little bit of a, I don't know. Mummies have never been exciting to me. Even the mummy wasn't that exciting to me. So I don't know. Uh, great, I would, mo- great movie. I will fight you on that. The uh, mummy I, is a solid film. I think you need to watch a little movie called Tales from the Dark Side, uh, where there is, I think it's in that one. Where they have a mummy uh, short. That one is terrifying. Really? Okay. Yeah, that part where they talk about taking out the brain, yo, that happens, yo. What? See, okay, yeah. here's the thing about mummies. In order to get a mummy in your life, you got to go to a pyramid and bring a mummy out Or a of museum. It. Or a museum. Or be Abbott on sure. Costello. <laughs> or be a creepy old person, I guess. You got to go get one. So you're, go- you're, you're, you're asking for it if you're, if you're grave digging like that. Literally, archaeologists... Grave diggers. That's what well, you sure. are. Well, get, sure. I get what you're saying. You're saying that the monster of the mummy is less fearful because you're going into a territory you expect mummies. Exactly. Like a, like a Dracula will just come to your house and become your friend and trick you into being a friend and then use you for the rest of your life. That's scary. Right. The, the terror should be more that you found yourself in a scenario where you can't get out now. I mean, this is... This is like, oh, God, I accidentally drove down Martin Luther King Boulevard, and now I might get shot. Like right. Kind of- <laughs> right, right. This one was was definitely, it had a better forward momentum than any of the ones we read. Absolutely. and For I sure. Think, for sure. Can, can we just start talking uh, about it? Yeah. I tr- always try to make sure, by the way, you guys have been really good about feedback uh, listening to the episodes. I try and help us steer uh, describing the plot of the book in case you haven't read along with us. Yeah. why... Who would ever do such a thing? Right. <laughs> uh, the the in general the log line of this book is a kid goes to Egypt with his family to visit his uncle Ben. Another comic book reference, by the way. I know uh, someone in the subreddit put it put, put it out. Uh, and his niece, who are exploring tombs, uh, basically just are an archaeologist. I guess is his uncle. And wouldn't you know it? There'd be mummies. That is the that is the general concept. It's super simple. 
there's a little some twists and turns, but that is the overall idea of the book. Yes. Let's get into it. The first thing I want to point out is I realize uh, mummies in themselves. I don't want to defeat the scariness of it, the, but going on what you said about how like they're a weird monster. Yeah. They are kind of silly of a concept when you really think about it. That they're like you take out the like the the brains with a scoop and like a hook and you stir them all around. It it feels honestly more like a gross kids toy like creepy crawlers making a mummy than an actual monster does that make right. sense yeah because it's not even like it's like a bad zombie it's like a zombie that's just no in a bunch of band-aids way. no way no mummies are scary because <laughs> if one looks you in the eyes go on you can't move you'll be paralyzed you oh got you get the... paralyzed from yeah, mummies man, you get the mummy stare wait dude. is that is that canon in 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 horror yeah, yeah. i don't know my mummy lore that well you would be terrified by mummy eyes <laughs> they're glowing on the cover <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that happens one. So that definitely that's how happens. They, they're, yeah. they're like a they're like a zombie and a vampire. I thought they were like a zombie with like super strength, right? Well, they got super they're strength. Like one, they got they're like one strength. really good zombie. Theoretically. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, they're like the Arnold Schwarzenegger zombie. The other thing, who had sex with the Elon Musk zombie, <laughs> <laughs> the super. Zombie. The, the other thing is the mummy's curse. Dude, that shit don't go away no no easily. I'm I'm scared <laughs> of the curse. Don't get me wrong, the curse. Okay. This the, the curse in this book that they have for the mummy is not a curse. Well, let's just do we, do we want to jump that. right to the ending because I got to talk about that. <laughs> but I, okay, all right. No. I don't know if we we'll, want to we'll go right up there. so you can understand and follow. We'll set follow along. But the, I'm just saying right now, we'll cover it in a second. The curse is not a curse. No, uh, you follow this book and please jump in and correct and add on as much as you guys can. The book follows a young kid who I'd say is still kind of the worst. Uh, yeah, no, the, the, the main characters in Goosebumps books, I think, are always really crappy because they have to overanalyze every single thing because he needs to fill a whole book with this garbage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So they're always just super whiny, just being like, but what if it was my shoe? Right. You know? Yeah, we were making jokes earlier about how he just keeps asking questions and asking questions, and it feels like you're going to get to that point where R.L. Stein's like, how many lines do I need to fill all the page requirements for this <laughs> for this job? You know? I, I wrote down, this is the worst kid in goosebumps currently best book i would actually probably say worst kid in goosebumps i everything from the beginning is him complaining about how thirsty is for at least two chapters dude and okay Uh, and his parents ignored him again for water in the desert his parents don't (laughs) give him water normal concern yeah yeah uh but the other thing to be fair about this kid is that he's a piece of shit <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he's not a good kid at all. No, he he gets into trouble. He's also like a little nebbish, and his and his cousin pushes him around. So he's not even like cool, and like he doesn't break the rules at all. But not only that, he is mad jealous of his cousin. He's yeah. mad. That's how I felt he, the entire time was. Uh, first off, his first introduction, other than complaining about water. And talking about how good new Coke tastes, which was great. Which oh, was yeah. foolish. Uh, <laughs> like, <what? laughs> it's just a long paragraph describing how great Coke tastes. I would love that if there was a branded deal there. Uh, I was wondering about is, that. Yeah, I know. He just like Coca-Cola just sent him like 20 bucks when he's writing the story. Is He continually <laughs> dumps on his sister, Sairi. Is that how you'd say sorry, it? Sorry, sorry. Sorry? Is it sorry? His I would assume sorry. His cousin, uh, right? His cousin, yeah. His cousin. Everything about sorry is that she is the coolest. Like, she has... 
the highest top score on Super Mario, and he does it. And he's obviously hating on that. Hold on. Here's his excuse for not having the, the, the highest score in Super Mario Land, which he name drops. I pushed my glasses up right here because his excuse for not being good at it was, I don't have a Nintendo, when he had just talked about playing Game Boy, which is what Super Mario Land is on. Now, now listen, <laughs> Land, now hold on, now hold on. He says he has a Nintendo and not a Super Nintendo, and I think he says Super Mario World. No, he says book. Land because I put it in my notes because I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> okay, Land is for the Game Boy. Land is for the Game Boy. He says That's Land. That's pretty good. That's pretty good research. Fuck There's you, R.L. Stein. Damn. <laughs> There's weird like name drops of actual things sometimes and then name drops of other things. I'm going to throw this out here. I think... This is the first uh, real uh, ghost-ridden book. You think so? The tone to me mm. and the pacing, everything feels a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, well, I just got I had a gut feeling. Well, it feels like they've been listening to the podcast because the first <laughs> thing that they do in this book, like the second chapter, they're like, okay, parents, they're gone. Parents are gone for this yeah. book. And he doesn't rely too much... I mean, obviously, the the chapters end with, like, cliffhanger-ish type endings, but it's not as bad. Like, typically, because this thing is actually moving forward with a narrative, the things that are happening are, like, I fell down a pit, and, like, the floor fell out. That's actually a genuinely scary thing, to fall down a pit. It's not like, I thought I was falling, but I wasn't. It's an actual pit. There is the one where he gets on the rope ladder going down the hole, and he, like, falls. (laughs) He's like, I slipped, and I fell to my doom. And then the next chapter is like, except I got grabbed by the hand by sorry. Well, that happens twice. Yeah, that happens (laughs) twice. It saves his damn life (laughs) twice. You know, he gives an example as to why he doesn't like sorry. and And he tells this story about, and this is later in the book. This is almost like more than halfway through the book, he's t- he tells a story about her jump roping a- in the rain or something, and then he tries it and fucks up, and she laughs at him. So to get back at her for that, which she did nothing, he right. fucked up. He's the idiot. <laughs> she was just get- rocking that that uh, the jump rope. <laughs> he was just he just sucks at jump rope, just like he sucks at everything. Yeah. Uh, but to get back at her, he like took her to this abandoned house. Yeah, and, that like, was fucked up. Yeah, and like tried to leave her in there. Yeah, what a fucking asshole. He's a major hater. He's, he's a total a, hater. He's a total hater. And the funny thing is, he gets fooled once in this book by them. And then he's like, oh, I'm not going to get fooled this time. I'm not going to hit the buzzer this time. And then he freaks out and gets scared again by her. Yeah. He fucking falls for it within the same chapter after he says he's not going <laughs> to fall for it again. Then she scares him inside the mummy's case. And I was like, god damn it. Not only that, not only that, but his joke game is terrible. This is one of the first things we introduced to him oh, yeah, is yeah. him telling his dad... By the way, if you're a parent of this kid and you're taking your kid to this wonderful Egyptian vacation and your kid does nothing but complain and say how quickly he wants to leave you guys to go hang out with his Uncle Ben, you fucking hate your kid. Like, oh, that is super ungrateful. But he's telling a joke to his dad and like, oh, dad, how I don't even understood. I didn't even understand it. It was like, how do you get down from a duck? Yeah. You remember that joke? Yeah. Oh, the no, punchline was like, you... It's da- no, it's, it's uh, how do you get down from a camel? And it, or it says, I think it's... Do you know? How, no, it's do you. Do you know how to get duck down from a camel? I think he asks his dad that. He's yeah. Like, he's like, no. He's like, you get it from a duck. What does that even mean? I don't understand. Nah. Like you duck like you physically. I, I don't duck. want to explain. I don't want to explain it because it's a very okay. bad joke. That joke is garbage, right? Then he proceeds to rip into all of Sari's jokes all the time when she's doing better. Like at one point, Sari, like 
the kid says a really complicated sounding word, and Sari comes in with the classic Gazoon-type pun. Uh-huh. Always a classic. Always. <laughs> She's continuing to kill it, and then this kid goes, oh, sorry, always with the terrible jokes. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> sorry should have let him fall down that hole. That's I'm, all I'm saying. I want to hear the book oh, about Sorry. She's cool. <laughs> She, I wanted to be following Sorry the entire time. That was my, that was my thought process. Uh, but this I, kid has the, really. You guys like Sorry? I didn't like her snobbish attitude. I gotta admit, she did not have one. She was only a shithead to uh, Gabe because, because he was Gabe's a shithead. An asshole. You're yeah. right. You know what? I, I think I might, I think I might have just gotten caught up in the Gabe movement because yeah, I knew dude, from Gabe the spun that on you. Yeah, dude. dude. I got man, I got fucking Jim Carvelled by him, dude. <laughs> he fucking spun the fuck out of me, man. Here is Gabe's worst trait, is that he goes to this pyramid to hang out with his uncle and his cousin instead of hang out with his parents, who probably had a great time and probably had some wonderful partying and parent boning, uh-huh. parents doing the kids are away, mm-hmm. is he just casually references this, and I had to read it multiple times to make sure I wasn't misreading it or having a stroke, that he has a mummy hand just yes. in his Oh, pocket. yeah, yeah, that, that's a real thing they threw in there. He'd be like, I bought it at a flea market. Or yeah. something. It was yeah, it was like real obvious at the beginning. It was like this Chekhov's gun right at the beginning where they were like, Yo, I was playing with my mummy hand that I loved, that I've loved for years, that definitely was not a setup for this story at all. He yeah. doesn't even address the fact that it's weird that he's now in Egypt, which where mummies come from. It was yeah. it was honestly as casually mentioned as if like I took my things out of my pocket, I took my keys and my wallet and my mummy hand. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just how it's mentioned. Yeah, he took up. He talked about it like he talked about his Game Boy, basically. So, so Gabe goes to hang out with his uncle Ben and sorry at the pyramids. And my first question is, what do you guys think the security and parking situation was at the pyramids? <laughs> oh, well, 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 a lot F was full. Uh, so they had to park. They had to do valet. <laughs> they had to do valet behind. Yeah, uh, they, uh, uh, there was just a lot of casual entering and exiting the pyramid without any sort of fanfare. I know that would be that would bog down the story. I, hey, this know, was a pre nine eleven. Walking into a this is a pre nine eleven world <laughs> here. You, we you can know, do whatever right. you want. He's right. He's right. You know what? I want to roll it back once more. Pre. Prior to that, in the book, where Uncle Ben is just – his job is just to discover mummies every day. Like, <laughs> apparently, there's all these new mummies. Like, if you want a job and discover mummies, you can get one because apparently the market is crazy. You can just go into any old room and find a mummy. <laughs> there's yeah, just man. open jobs for mummy hunters. <laughs> it's the gold – it's the mummy rush, dude. It's dude, the gold the mummy rush of mummies. Rush, dude, it's back. They're going in. They're, they're throwing their sifters in the river, and mummies are dropping out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, there on. was a lot of casual disregard from Uncle Ben. <laughs> yeah. Or multiple times, Gabe would like fall down a hole, and there'd just be, "Oh, this is a uh, sarcophagus, or this is a uh, tomb." And he'd be like, "Just get out of there! Get out of there!" I was like, so- "That is a sorry is a crazy discovery." Sorry, climbs into one of the one of the mummy caskets, and one, inside of one of the sarcophaguses. And makes a joke about it, and then tells her uncle about it, and they laugh. And he doesn't, like, scold her for playing in, you know, the ancient ruins that she could have destroyed. <laughs> no? <laughs> All right. No, there's there's a lot of weird... And this is what I was really setting up, because I'm kind of still expecting uh, later on in the Goosebump series. I remember a lot of really big, big twists and turns. I don't know if you guys feel that. I was pretty sure Uncle Ben or Sorry was going to be a mummy or, like, evil. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting a little bit of something after the Ahmed guy started getting a little crazy. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about Ahmed. So, so Amber just to catch you up. Yeah, so <laughs> That's what Ahmed. we call it nowadays. Uh, 
basically the entire book, again, if you're really not sure what else has happened, it's just Gabe going through the pyramids with his cousin and sorry, and then they keep falling down holes and getting out of them. That's pretty much everything that happens. Yeah, he gets scared by his uncle who dresses up like a mummy, which in Egypt seems kind of racist to yeah, me. Yeah, it seems kind of racist to me. <laughs> like you're dressing up, you're dressing up as one of your dead relatives and prancing around. Seems kind of fucked up. I don't know, Uncle Ben. I don't know. He comes back to the hotel where Gabe is staying by himself. Yeah. And a mummy answers the door and it freaks him out. That's when we break cliffhangers. But really, I know you're freaking out and you're terrified. But immediately your logic would go like, how did that mummy get in that hotel? Like, how did he? <laughs> Mummies can do that, dude. Have you not seen Monster Squad? <laughs> I actually been meet. It's so funny. Monster Squad is on my list uh, for the show I'm writing on. It is like one of the mon- the movies we keep referencing as inspiration. I've never seen it. I hear it's uh, great. Oh, it's so good. I, I, that was one of my favorite movies growing up. I don't know about Monster Squad, but I do know if you throw a fedora on a mummy, he can go anywhere he wants because people are going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the the main thing really is they just keep going back to the pyramids, and suddenly we are introduced to Ahmed, a guy I was so hoping, just purely based on name alone and region, let's not make him evil. Let's right. like, Let's let him be... A misdirect. He's trying to help people. Uh, even there's a scene where they're get, they're kidnapped. That's actually kind of real for a kid. That's a like, very horrifying adventure. sequence. Yes. Yeah. I, you you read that book nowadays, and throughout that whole chase scene, and then they get in the car with him. You're like, no, yeah, no. This is how a bad 2020 starts. <laughs> <laughs> this is the start of 48 hours where they try to find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There was a lot of me wondering, like, what is the town of Cairo like? They believe they're in Cairo, right? Yes, yes, they're in Cairo. There's a lot of times where they're they're kidnapped in broad daylight, or they're in a car going through the streets, and they dive out of a moving car because they think Ahmed's kidnapping them. Which I guess he was. I guess he actually was kidnapping them, which we find out later. Like, wh- no one helps them ever. No, that's that's the weird thing is. One, we talked about the parents being taken out of the equation right away. Good for readers, bad for the kid. They left in chapter two. Worst absentee parents in any of the Goosebump books so far. Uh, and then the uncle, after he finds out about them getting kidnapped, is more upset about his coworkers who were shocked into being like put into the hospital <laughs> and doesn't care about Ahmed at all. <laughs> yeah, what were the details? I didn't understand what happened to his, his sis- assistants. Apparently Ahmed scared them. Well, are we gonna, we're jumping ahead to the fact that Ahmed yeah. the ultimate big bad of this book. That's really what you find out pretty quickly is they keep going back into the tombs and it's generally that the arc is like Uncle Ben's not to explore. I will say before we find out Ahmed is uh, evil, but he's evil. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Ben finally seems to address the fact that you would think a, a parent would at least be a little concerned. He hasn't even told Gabe's parents, by the way, that your son like you know almost died in my my pyramid like multiple times. Uh-huh. He gives them tracking devices. Right. Right. Uh, very intricate. Describes how, as far as it like, tracks you by sound, and like the sound gets longer, loud, the sound gets louder the closer you get. Right. The, the GPS trackers are instantly worthless. Like two pages later, he falls and, and breaks, breaks it and breaks them. Yep. I was like, when he did that, I was just like, classic Gabe right here, breaking his thing <laughs> right off the bat. I mean, come on, like that's that's a Gabe move right there. In in a weird way, I actually had to say Gabe's terrible. But I feel like I understand Gabe, and he is a fuckboy. He is <laughs> Gabe is a quite, Gabe's like an eleven-year-old. He's a fuckboy. Uh, he's like an eleven-year-old, twelve-year-old kid. He's feeling pretty awkward. He's trying to find his place in life. 
He's making bad jokes, criticizing other people's bad jokes. Yeah, he's he's you know, he's trying to find his place. So I, I'm all right with Gabe. I'm not fully down he, on Gabe. He also uses the slang term at one point "had a cow," which I highly enjoyed. Oh my god, I forgot that that ha- I must have like read that and it just passed over me. I didn't even realize it. There was some great '90s language going on in this book. Sometimes some some good references too. It's something I think I always look for a lot in, in like in anything you create. I'm sure you can do it well where it, you know, it definitely sets your, your story in a very iconic time. Uh, like, Back to the Future actually works super well. Without them ever actually saying too much about the 80s, it feels very 80s. And that's great. Right. It makes the movie always still work. But, uh, like, anecdotally, I've worked on, like, say, cartoons, for example. There was a character for this MTV anim- animated show, so it's going to take a while to make. And the character's shirt said, hashtag Winnie, because Charlie Sheen was a big deal. And everyone uh, thought that was super funny. And wouldn't you know it, two weeks later, that joke wasn't funny, let alone the year and a half later when the show came out actually on TV. It's just like weird topical dating things. Uh-huh. Uh, things that date your cartoon. Right. So it's funny to me to read these things in Goosebuds where like, oh, that was in 93. This book is completely <laughs> <laughs> uh, When we were writing Smart Guys, we had a lot of stuff like where we were thinking about stuff like that. But then we realized that the majority of the references we made were 80s and 90s references. So we were everything was already way outdated and probably nobody would understand anyway. And we're, so we were like, eh, we'll probably be all right. These are pretty archaic. <laughs> so. so this idea that it always irks me in like either comedy scripts or just anything that has a, a story to tell is a reference to something from popular culture uh, that is not going to stand the test of time. So the best example I can think of right now would be Let's take a uh, top 40 star Megan Trainor. She does like all about that bass song or whatever it is. I would never put a Megan Trainor joke in my movie script because as far as you know, in a year, no one might have any idea who the fuck she is. She, you gotta wait till she's like a Rihanna or a Britney Spears. You can always do a Britney Spears reference in a way that'll stand the test of time. Right. But like, uh, who knows? Like, it's like making a joke in a script from 2002 about Willa Ford. Do you know who Willa g- Ford is? I was going to say Eiffel 65. <laughs> Iowa 65, great band, wonderful <laughs> band. But yeah, you wouldn't want to make an Iowa 65 joke unless it's specifically dating your story to 94 or something. Right, yeah. Uh, so I, I love when these Goosebumps stories have like like New Coke. Like there are kids who read Goosebumps now and be like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, what is the a, fuck is New Coke? <laughs> what the fuck is New Coke? There's kids who don't even know that was a thing or that Pepsi Blue was a terrible thing that was in- inflicted on us. Right. I, it's funny because when he said the new Coke thing, I was like, wait, I got to check the year on this. And I checked the year that it came out, and I was like, this was new Coke era. He's really talking what about new he, Coke right now. What if he actually predicted new Coke? Like, what if he had just called something <laughs> out like a year or two early? Like, he had a lead. Um, <laughs> let's get, let's get, sorry. Uh, I would like to hear what you guys think of Ahmed. It seems like he was probably a misunderstood guy. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> You know, I, I felt like he had some good views on children and what to do with them. <laughs> poor, poor Ahmed. He was a he was a victim of being a Middle Eastern guy in the early nineties. I think <laughs> that was Which the in problem. Some ways was more insensitive, but also was like, okay, I'm okay with it because it's not about like tough religion in modern day times. It's oh, Ahmed worships the Egyptian goddess still, and he'll yeah. fight to. He'll kill people to keep this this curse going. It was more. It was less of a scary terrorism, racism, and more of a just complete American, like uh, just 
completely uh, oblivious to what people over there were like. Well, this was written at a time where you had to look up in a very big book what Egyptian people looked like. Yeah. Nowadays, you could just t- type it into Google, Egyptian people. <laughs> uh, did you guys picture Ahmed with a fez? I pictured Ahmed with a fez. Oh, yeah, or some sort of like really... Just well, like... he wore all white with a red bandana. Oh, that's right. He did have a bandana. I, I imagined it. I imagined it as your classic like uh, like full white garb, like just like white pants really flowing white shirt and like an ascot like he was a really cool gay guy to me like you know? <laughs> yeah there's like a cool hip like philly gay guy yeah <laughs> i like that so we find out that ahmed uh has spooked uh uncle ben's assistant terrorism so bad that they're in the hospital <laughs> it was terrorism <laughs> like he froze them solid with fear i guess they don't really elaborate on what happened to him Yes, uh, it's, other it's, than they're incapacitated. It's the, the the trait of Middle Eastern people is terrorism. Duh. I mean, it's what we knew as yeah. Americans in 1991. Didn't he dip get, them in the tar? Isn't that what did happened? Did he dip them in the tar? He put them in front of the tar and he showed them the flames bubbling. He might have touched them to it a little bit because he said something about letting them uh, letting them understand the pain of the tar. Wait, so did he torture them? He tortured. Yeah. Listen, he's on some John Wayne Gacy shit down there. Okay. <laughs> That is that is what Ahmed is up to down there. He's some serial killer motherfucking shit down there. I just thought he freaked them out. Well, that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to make them believe in the curse. Yeah. Uh, so he, he scared them real bad, and then they wouldn't talk, and then Uncle Ben had to go see for himself, I guess. Right, right. Okay. So I, I interpreted it as, uh, I think you're clearly right. I interpreted it as... Oh, he like spooked, spooked. He spooked them with like stories about climate change. Oh, <laughs> uh, I see. Like, I, I definitely picked up that. So, so basically, what Ahmed was doing was there. There's no supernatural thing, really. We'll get to the very end in a little bit. But there's no supernatural thing in this. It's literally a man being a serial killer. He's down in this pyramid, murdering people, literally mur- tarring people and putting them into into caskets. Because they say that some of the bodies are fresh, like the kid sees it, Gabe sees it. So he's murdering people. There's no supernatural element at, that we really know about in this book. So he's just down there killing people. I think this is both the least scariest goosebumps and also the scariest goosebumps. The scariest because he is a, a literal killer. He he describes, which is I think I want to discuss, is he is from a long line of descendants that have right. always protected. This tomb of the priestess, right? And anyone who's ever disturbed it must suffer the wrath of quote the curse, mm-hmm. which is just being killed and turned into a mummy, which isn't really a curse. <laughs> it's just murder. It is if you got a family with good traditions, because <laughs> if that goes on all the time throughout history, I would call that a curse. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that those people are a curse on us. Had said, it's an affliction. Like, it's an affliction upon that family, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, if, if Ahmed had said, if I don't do this, uh, the priestess will stab my eyes out in my sleep, I go, oh, that's a curse. Okay, that's a, it's infecting you. <laughs> but Ahmed seemed to be attributing his murders as if the curse. It's what a crazy person says. Like his murders were like, oh well, it's God acted out me out of me to, to yeah. kill those people. Yeah, I want I want to pitch this to you. You're you're Ahmed, or you're let's say you're even like Ahmed's father. Okay, as a young boy, you're several descendants back because apparently it's gone on since the time of Egyptians. Uh huh. <laughs> you're like twelve, mm-hmm. or maybe you're not. What age does a father tell the son? Like, son, your ultimate purpose isn't to be a teacher <laughs> or to be a cab driver. Your purpose is to guard this tomb 
where we have to kill anyone who goes into it or a ghost lady will be disappointed in us. I thought well, it was interesting that you threw cab driver in there as the second one, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it was not profiling. I was trying to go on the long, the long spectrum of what are occupations, uh, teacher, cab driver. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were picking timeless ones right there, which was smarty. You didn't date yeah. this podcast or the book. Which is great. <laughs> you didn't throw Man, Uber and, out there, and, which could not be a thing soon. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but how would you guys pitch that to your child? Well, it seems like a coming-of-age thing. It seems like instead of giving him the shotgun and taking him out to hunt, he takes him down to the to the basement cellar and shows them where they do their murder rituals. Well, I, I imagine that uh, on a typical uh, weekday afternoon, uh, uh, you know, Ahmed's father comes home and he checks his son's, like, cat mummy work and mm-hmm. checks his <laughs> checks his mummy homework mm-hmm, yeah. and then uh goes about his day because he's just brought up that way like always mummifying things and then he's like how do you like to mummify a body dude he's like hell yeah i mummify the shit out of anything i'm the best mummifier there is and then he's like cool i hope you like killing bro <laughs> this, is, this is how father and son talk <laughs> Uh, Ahmed is a legit bad dude. Like, I think everyone else has either been misconstrued or there's a monster or something. Abed, not Abed. Ahmed is legitimately terrible. Yes, he's a bad person. He's a he, very he, bad he person. He killed at least 12 people, according to this book. Yeah, he's John Wayne Gacy of Egypt. He literally <laughs> is. He's going into a basement and hiding bodies there. It's crazy. I never thought about it, though. Like, to, as far as murdering someone, dumping the bodies in just, like, a religious... Uh, burial ground actually is a pretty solid idea. No one's ever going to disturb it. He's got they have the reason his family has been able to have this curse carry on is because they're brilliant and they put him in the right spot. So more power to Ahmed. I don't, I don't know what the U, the U.S. version of that would be, but theoretically, if you could murder someone in America and then bury them in like Graceland, like under Elvis's tomb, <laughs> no one will ever find the body. Yeah, pretty much. I think you just figured out how to be a killer. You know, it was probably a pretty good idea back when uh, Ground Zero was still a thing. What's that? If you kill a guy and then hide him in Ground Zero, <laughs> take him over to Ground Zero. <laughs> and be like, oh, and then just be like, and then just be walking by one day and be like, oh my god, another one. They're like pulling the body out. And they're like, they're like, hey, this guy shot himself five times in the head before he jumped from the building. That's pretty that, crazy. That's pretty that crazy. Is, that is the saddest, darkest joke ever. <laughs> Hey, hey, I, that wasn't that, that. That's a good idea, guys. It's not. <laughs> it's a pretty good idea. It's, it's legitimately a pretty good idea. Uh, man, we're going to be implicated in so many murders now in the next couple of years. Yeah. Uh, like, turns out, nine eleven was three guys. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't a thing. It was all a ruse. <laughs> Wicked, this is the new truther movement. Is you got to listen to Goosebuds and find out what these guys are talking about. Dude, we got ancient um, aliens. We got 9-11 truther moments. This, this podcast <laughs> has it all. It really does. <laughs> George Bush did cause 9-11, but it's because he hit someone with his car and then had to bury the body. <laughs> what is what I liked about Ahmed? When he's about to kill these kids, he, there's a, like, he has knives uh, and a torch that he hits Uncle Ben over the head with, yeah, and he, he starts. Right. He hits someone with a torch, who st- and he starts bleeding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a head wound. It was pretty. Uh, it was that was a scary end segment. The past couple, the last couple chapters of that are really scary because you you literally see the dad get assaulted. They put him away, and he's like, "I'm going to kill you right now. I'm putting you in the thing that I'm going to kill you in." And the kids have to deal with that. That's pretty fucked. Yeah, up. it's pretty crazy. The kids are put somewhere else uh, just to catch people up to speed. They go back to after the museum, after the Amber Alert, they go back to the <laughs> pyramid to investigate 
uh, and uh, uh, Gabe falls in a hole, and then Sari, is that how you say it? Yeah, Sari, Sari. Yeah, so Sari finds him, and then uh, they she hits her beeper, and Uncle Ben shows up. And then Ahmed shows up, and he's like, guess what? I'm evil, and all this shit is going down. So that's where that's where we are, if you haven't read the book. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Uh, my favorite part of that is that while Ahmed's going on and on, but with a knife, and how he plans to kill these kids... Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only does he put them to suffocate and die in, uh, they keep not calling it a sarcophagus. They keep calling it mummy case. So yeah. I don't know if the <laughs> author didn't know or the kids don't know. It's where they you put your collector's mummy mummies. <laughs> your mummy yeah. case. It's where you put your, your Egyptian beanie babies in. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he, while he talks about killing the kids, the response is like, but we're only kids. And he encounters, uh, quote, many of the pharaohs were your age at death, which I thought, oh, cool, I'm learning stuff while kids are going to get murdered. <laughs> you know, these goosebuds are a good thing for us. <laughs> uh, I don't understand how they escaped because so Sari and Gabe are put in a mummy case to, I guess, suffocate and die, along yeah. with the unconscious Uncle Ben, who then opens up the case and goes, yeah, sorry, uh, I guess there was a trap door in these mummy cases. Well, the funny thing was, Ahmed didn't know about the mummy cases, even though he's been using them in his family since Egyptian times. Like, they didn't know about, like, they might have wanted, the dad might have wanted to, like, make that a part of the uh, ritual where he makes his son into a murderer. Like, he probably should have been like, oh, there's a trap door. If you're going to be murdering people, they can get out the trap door. You might want to tape up the trap door. Yeah, just tape that up before you do Which also, they would never put trap, I may go wrong. Someone tell me if this is different and this is actually how history goes. They wouldn't put trap doors in sarcophaguses because the entire thing is just a lid and a box. Like, why would <laughs> There's no room for a door, let alone a trap door. Yeah, they talked about all three of them being in the same sarcophagus, and I was like, that's a big sarcophagus. There's probably plenty of air in there. <laughs> that's a fat mummy. Uh, the, but the other thing is, like, so Ahmed walks away when they're right. escaping from their sarcophagus. Pro- most like, likely to talk to himself. He have- he probably had to talk. What, to what did he have to do? Like I know, that, I know that he needed for the plot device, but he's just like, oh, I don't want to wait around. Like I got other stuff to do. I'm gonna go like read some twitters or something. And he's like, I'm gonna go be crazy for a little bit. I'll talk to myself. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll ba- I'll bang my head against the wall. I'll get angry at myself, you know, for a little bit, and then I'll go back and do the killing that I do. Look at my mummy work. Look at my mummy work. You know, appreciate <laughs> that for a bit. <laughs> just just pace through the two hallways that are in this pyramid. <laughs> yeah. So they escape. They're about to get out. Then suddenly Ahmed's like, aha, I'm back. I'll stab you again. And then, <laughs> of course, out of just like, this is so strange that Gabe decides to think about it at this moment in time. Oh, yeah, my mummy hand that I have. Right. Pulls it out of his pocket and holds it aloft and mentions, oh, yeah, I also remember when I bought it at that flea market, which I assume was in like Rhode Island. <laughs> and he sold it to me, called it the Summoner, which is the darkest sounding thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and all of the mummies that are in the tomb actually start to move. Well, okay, so here's where it gets a little interpretive for us here, guys. Sure, sure. Because this is where you get to, and maybe he wanted it to be ambiguous, so you could decide what kind of person you were by how you saw things playing out. But either the mummies came to life and scared the shit out of Ahmed, or Ahmed is just a real crazy person and saw that thing and had a, all these crazy visions that he shared he had a shared vision with these kids and the dad. Okay. And then, okay. Actually, I like that idea. I don't, I don't know what happened because it's so unclear. I mean, what did you guys take that as? 
I saw Birdman in the ending made more sense of Birdman than this. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Birdman. I yet, thought so the summoner actually worked, and the mummies were starting to come to life. Uh, yeah, that's what I. So like that really happened, and then it was one of those things where it was like, oh, it never happened, but it really did. You think so though? Because they were all if back there real quick. Theory, yeah, of course, because that's how those things happen, dude. You Do ever mummies see Toy move Story fast or slow? You ever see Toy think... Story, dude? This is Mummy Story. <laughs> I think mummies can move decently fast because they seem to be moved and locomoted by the spirit of the dead instead of like you know zombies have that issue where like the muscle tissue isn't developed anymore and it's snapped. Like yeah. I think that mummies can be moving reasonably decently fast because they're being powered by God. I'm pretty Egyptian sure. God or something. I'm pretty sure that you can move a mummy really fast by pulling its string real fast and spinning it like a dreidel. <laughs> I think you can do that. Yeah, you do tell me that a, multiple that is, times. That is the way to kill a mummy. Yeah, that's how you kill a mummy. So I guess they didn't do that to themselves in that moment. Well, let, let's say your interpretation is correct, Paul, because I like that. I hadn't thought about that idea. Like, that he just held aloft. If it's so. Yeah. Gabe pulls a mummy's hand out of his pocket, which he also, or he either he or Ahmed said it was the princess's hand. Yes. So there's a lot of logic issues. <laughs> either, if it's true, the princess of that tomb, that's her hand. And he never addressed the fact that's pretty weird that I'm in the tomb of this girl that I had her head from from 2,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago. Paid 25 cents for it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cheap. You need to get very, that very shit on Antiques Roadshow. Sort of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I bought this at a flea market and took it to Egypt one time and beat some mummies. And now I want to know what it's worth. <laughs> well, this is someone. This was someone's hand. I made a. I made a crazy serial killer go even crazier with this thing. <laughs> uh, if it didn't happen, if it was all in his mind, or Ahmed was just that uh, superstitious to, you know, yeah, accidentally kill himself, <laughs> which I do like, just from a little bit of like. Oh, yeah, your re- crazy religious fanaticism is what killed you. Right. Uh, if that's true, I'd like to go to even the next step where that wasn't even a mummy hand. That was just like a dried up piece of poop in paper towels and Gabe is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so does, does Ahmed die here? I thought so. Do I remember it wrong? He just runs out. Yeah, I think he runs away. Oh, you're right. He doesn't die. I keep thinking in my mind because that's what should happen. Is he falls into the tar or something? Yeah, well, that, like, that's what you figure what will happen. But he runs away because he gets scared at that yeah. moment. Obviously, mummies. But that's the scariest part of the book. Well, is that's that a, a murderer runs away into the night, and yeah. they're just like, okay. That's what I thought about. Was it was the same thing when the kids reported to their uncle that they were just Amber alerted, and the uncle's first thing was, "Oh man, I should really get back to that pyramid." And I was like, "Wait a second, man. There's a there's a." series of events here that happen it's call police protect your children oh, yeah, there, is, there is no notification of authorities at all, at all or parents or anyone so at all the end of the book same Ahmed thing is on the loose probably willing to kill them later in their lives and anyone else who comes by the pyramid <laughs> they tell no police they don't report any of the dead bodies there are no. like five to ten unsolved murders in cairo <laughs> and they don't even go to the cops <laughs> they, they just go home play video games and wait for the parents to show up that's all they do <laughs> and meanwhile there's like families just grieving like i don't know why sarah I, was, I don't know why tiffany never came back from her vacation and just gabe's going my mummy hand's pretty cool and he just like kisses it <laughs> yeah. no, no they all laugh and then they go hey next time we go to the mummy pyramid you're driving <laughs> like that's the end of, <laughs> that's the end of the book basically 
that's basically the end of the book. It ends on a, a, a weirdly dark moment that's not even really reflected as a dark moment because then they just laugh and the parents show up. Right. So, in many ways, the scariest one because the killer's still out there. Absolutely. And it, he and he killed people. That th- This guy murdered people. This is the darkest Goosebumps book yet. Yeah, because, I mean, well, besides, I think the last one, Say Cheese and Die, with the kid actually murdering a guy was pretty dark. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but, but it is real dark because there is, yes, a murderer who tries to murder our protagonist. I think I think guy with a knife who's mummifying people trumps a little bit a Polaroid who gave a guy a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just want to say one thing about this book that I didn't get to touch on. <laughs> Go on. In chapter one, at the end of chapter one, the cliffhanger that will get kids to read the rest of the book, he said, <laughs> little did I know, I I would be in those pyramids later, like later, in a, in a couple days later or something. He alludes that. He goes, little did I know I would be there probably forever. <laughs> Like so, so <laughs> at the right. time of narrating this story, he's like in the middle of the book, or like when did he start narrating? <laughs> yeah, when did this become a memoir of his trip to Egypt? <laughs> oh, that's right. You're bringing up a, a wonderful point. I thought about this. Uh, Gabe mentions multiple times. I think Gabe is, even though he is a fuckboy, uh, <laughs> Gabe is also a little bit of a paranoid, like defeatist. I guess would be the term. And uh-huh. I realized why I think. Goosebump books resonated with me so much personally as a kid, at least because of my modern day. I have a ton of neuroses of thinking that everyone is a talking about me and not in a good way. Like everyone's out to get me is my paranoia, right? Uh, on some form of level. And I noticed in this book and a lot, there's always the kid is main characters isolated, and then everyone else seems to be talking about them and laughing about them. There right. are multiple scenes in this where Sarah and Uncle Ben are just walking ahead of Gabe. Laughing and looking back over their shoulders. Yeah, that was that was a happened, tough moment for me to read. <laughs> yeah, you know, I felt real. Either either that actually happens, and everyone's just mean and cruel in the world of Goosebumps, or Gabe is so neurotic he's imagining that's happening. And then he wishes them Merry Christmas. By the way, Christmas story. This is a Christmas Wait, story. This was during Christmas. Wait, I don't remember the Christmas part. Oh my god, that's right. It was. It was Christmas vacation from school. Yeah, and he and he and he and when they laugh at him, he says, uh, "Yeah, and Merry Christmas" or something like that, and they laugh some more. Damn, oh, that's, that's such a weird thing to have. Like, I guess you need to explain why is this kid on vacation, but yeah, you completely forget about it. Yeah, oh, I forget. Yeah, I, I, I kind of don't like. I kind of don't like R.L. Stein like throwing christmas around like it isn't jesus's <laughs> birthday or something like i don't like that he just threw it in my face at that moment <laughs> like this is a christmas story they're egypt hey don't be using that rl <laughs> come on bro don't be throwing don't be throwing christ let's put the christ back in christmas and not mummies <laughs> killing people let's put the christ back in goosebumps guys uh let me ask you guys a question uh if you guys are mummified i thought of this because there's a lot of description over what the mummies are in different poses yeah. How? What position would you guys like your corpse to be placed in as a mummy? Flexing, just like flexing, a, just like yeah. a flexing mummy. <laughs> <laughs> I I would want to be in like a full squat, like almost like I was Pat or Toastman about to jump and take off, but maybe mm-hmm. I was doing a real mean fart. Mm. You'd have, and it'd be it'd be open to interpretation <laughs> like as know. to what I was doing at that time. Oh, you know what? Can I add on to your pose? I I changed mine. I changed mine. I want to be, and I'd have to get one of you guys to do it with me, but I would like to be 
the team lift guys on like a, a heavy box, like the two guys who were squatting, <laughs> lifting uh-huh. something up, uh-huh. so that people could put like a TV in our hands, <laughs> <laughs> so it could be furniture one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would like if you did your farting pose, Paul. Yeah, but you put that little like one finger in your mouth, like teehee, did I do that? Yeah. Like very innocent yeah, posing, just like, like somehow a mummy could look like it's bashing in its eyes. Or, or am I about to jump? You will let you. You won't figure this out without a lot of research. <laughs> Uh, I was going to go with the uh, standard suck it uh, motion of the two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, X yeah, suck it. Yeah, the yeah, X yeah, suck it That's a good one. That's a good my, one. My backup was going to be the tail end of the Top Gun bottom high five. So, like, the top, top end bottom slap. <sighs> Just hitting the last little bit of that, like, walking away real cool. That you, would, know? you would need someone. See, again, you would need, I would need one a of partner. Us, so, yeah, we're going to have to decide later on. Maybe we could do a three time. You know, like, two, two, not one person's in the middle hitting the other people. On the back down. You know what? But there should be more coordinated corpses, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. What if we all just did a hug? Like, we're all just hugging. hugging kind of, and you could probably still fit a TV on top of us if we were probably. in a triangle hug, you know? I really want to make it so that I'm, 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 uh, I'm useful after my death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I have a, a question or something I wanted to... We talked about doing uh, something to add on to these episodes. We'll see how yeah. this works. I want to throw a question out to you guys. How would you make okay. this book better? I don't know if it can be better. You don't think so? No, I, I think it can be. Let's let's think about this for a second. Hold on. Uh, I mean, okay. I, just in the last scene, Uncle Ben dies. Like Uncle Ben would die to make this book better. Yes, Uncle. Someone should be taken out to really up the stakes. Uh, I would have addressed a couple of things. I think it's weird that in the mummy's tomb there is no gold. There's no, no gold. golden treasure. You got to find so, the, the Goonies gold at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- that would have been actually a nice little like we made it through, but we still get you know the princess's golden t- emblem or whatever. I, something to reward dude, that, them for their troubles. Dude, that sets it up perfectly because mom and dad come back from their emergency trip where she was getting chemo. And they can pay for her cancer treatment. There oh it my is. God, that's there great. it is. That's they were, wonderful. They were visiting a world class doctor, and they needed the money. And then, and even better, this sets up the sequel because then they got the amulet, and then the curse comes with them back to America. And guess who gets like cancer that. then? Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably take away the mummy's paw entirely. Sure, that just goes away, and uh-huh. let just that. It's pretty standard. You could have had those moments of. You know, uh, Ahmed being attacked by mummies without some sort of like, oh, yeah, I have this god hand. Like, just let it be Ahmed's talks over and over and over again about the curse and how he's righteous and he must preserve her integrity. And then let, you know, like the priestess or the spirit of this woman that he's keeping the tomb, like, kill clearly the the wrong, like, the, the, the evil person. Right. Let, like, the mummies come to life and attack him for not being of good virtue and spirit and the kids survive and it's like, yeah. oh yeah, the the princess was a good person and this person's just been reinterpreting. Like, uh I had some crazy theories. I would actually like to have seen to make the characters feel more connected to it. I don't know if this actually made it scary or not. I would like to have seen like sorry was a descendant or something. I would like to have like connected to why those things are happening to why yes. it's all to the, yes. the curse, right. I would I think I think sorry should have been like reincarnated version of the priestess, and they made it a little corny or a little too easy, but it just felt like she was so good at everything, and they kept mentioning it. I would like to have been like, oh, she's good at everything because she used to be a former fucking priestess, like, goddess. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, going on that, I was thinking uh, uh, along the lines that she or Gabe, probably not Gabe, probably her, would be a descendant, like, 
prince or princess uh, of like super old bloodline and and like maybe tell that through her or him having uh, dreams. Uh, or at the end, priestess comes out for the sacrifice, final sacrifice, stares them all down. You can have her look right in Sari's eyes. Chapter break. Very scary. She realizes that she's the descendant. Yes. Throws Ahmed into the thing. Sorry becomes the new person who has to protect the thing. That's creepy because she's got to stay down there forever and kill people. Or she could at least get a job at like, the nearby subway and maybe, like, hang maybe around he, nearby. Right, yeah. Maybe, 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 she's a, maybe she's a descendant, but she's a direct descendant, whereas Ahmed was not. And then because it was an impure line, they were, they were murdering people. She's a direct descendant, and they're like, "Now we can. Now this place can be finally at peace." And then it gets, I like that, and, then, and that like way that they will smoothly get out. And then sorry's out. And uh, and, if, and it turns out that Ahmed, uh, his family, he just comes from a long line of mummy sex slaves, <laughs> and the mummies fuck them. <laughs> yeah, all the other priests used to bang you. You were yeah. just a butt boy. My solution would be to fix this to make this better. Would is really simple. It would be not relegate the mummies to only two paragraphs of the entire book. When the per- yeah. on the cover it says "Mummy R.L. Stein deliver on the mummies," you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, uh, I want to change mine. Okay, all right. Last time I'll change it. Okay, okay. Strike everything from this book, just the title, Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. Mm-hmm. You got two pyramids full of mummies. <laughs> Every day they're doing their mummy thing. Uh huh. Fucking. One day, someone throws a goddamn brick at the other pyramid. <laughs> mummy war starts. Oh, mummy, mummy war. war. <laughs> mummy war. That's that's a great idea. It's like feuding fraternity houses. It's like it's like the butter battle book, but with mummy. It's like skeleton <laughs> warriors. Remember those guys, the action figures? Oh yeah. No, I never. It's had like those. them, but mummies, and they have I rocket like launchers and stuff. It'd be so much fun. My cat really <laughs> wants to get on Dom's lap, and she's meowing right now. It's because Dom's around such great ideas. That cat sent because the cat's Egyptian. Egyptian oh cat. Oh my god! Egyptian story. She ideas. knows we're talking about our people. That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I think we have much better ways to write this book. Much better ways. The other thing I would end it is if Ahmed gets away, you end it with Ahmed like making that be a thing. Like the kids are relaxing back in. You know, whatever, uh, bumfuck Tennessee. And on the news, wanted felon Ahmed has been spotted in the area and, like, knowing that they're coming for him. Knowing that he's coming for them to finish the curse or something like that would also be terrified. Serial killer is coming for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be pretty That would be pretty good. Or, like, news report that they found these mummies. And oh. for a kid's book... The mummies were, they weren't dead. They were just put to sleep. They were, right. like, you know, drugged or something. Right. But someone in someone near there where they actually live in America has been mummifying people or trying to. That's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Uh, that would be, that would be scary. Because you got to, the, the thing you got to do is you got to, you got to set up the book number two. That's well, what. You, well, they did do book number two. I know they did. But the thing is, was it related to this one? Was it like the same kid or was it like. I don't know where it goes. Does Ahmed carry on? Well, they made a episode of it. They didn't make an episode out of this one, though. Well, because this one, obviously, high production value. Yeah, too high production value. <laughs> they they not been... they could, I, I wrote, I wrote, uh, I wrote as a note. I know why there wasn't an episode for the first book. Ain't no way they in being at Egypt. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Maybe we should. Uh, I think we got a good wrap up there. Maybe we should go into a few of the comments we had people leaving on the the book, right? Yeah, let's do that. We had a few people talk on the Goosebuds subreddit, which is also great, by the way. Thank you, everyone who participates and joins us on this. Thank you. Uh, it's on reddit.com slash r slash Goosebuds. Uh, a few people joined in on Chris Bumby's tune way back when we knew we were going to do it. Uh, a lot of similar good ideas. Uh, people pointing out problems. Uh, I like Joe Scotterpuss mentioning, God damn it, Gabe, get some Velcro shoes already. He is <laughs> untying his shoe all the time. Well, that was another, that was another like thing, another Chekhov's gun he had to set up was like, this kid's going to have problems with his shoelaces. He's going to get left behind. Like, I would have bought it. Like, RL, you didn't have to say that he always had problems with his shoes. When he said, hey, my shoelace is untied again, I'd have been like, okay, this kid's got some shitty shoelaces. <laughs> oh, and I completely forgot. He also points, I forgot there's a scorpions thing. That is legitimately Oh, my scary, God, yes. It? The scorpions were like, that. he could have really died right there. And not just from the murderer. <laughs> He was, There's a sea of scorpions at his feet, and they somehow don't actually sting him in the legs. Like, his tennis shoes are too good. He falls into them. He falls into the yeah. sea of scorpions. Yeah, mid-chapter fall. And then Sari saves him, right? Yeah. Yeah, she just grabs him as he's about to fall into a den of scorpions. Oh, like that's that, what he does like the tor- Okay. Yeah, kind of like those. It reminds me of those terrifying scarabs from the Mummy movie, which are the scariest part of that entire, entire thing. You know, Mummy, the first Mummy movie, uh, good. Second Mummy movie, pretty fun. Okay, yeah. that's all oh, I want oh, <laughs> to say. Those scarabs go into your skin, crawl up to your brain, and make you run into a wall to kill yourself. Dude, that's how I would change the book, dude. When those scorpions were happening, I would have made them morph into The Rock, the scorpion <laughs> king. <laughs> <laughs> CG The Rock, who's in the movie, but that's all you ever see is CG The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I want to write a movie script. That that has the rock in it, but he's only CG. <laughs> <laughs> it's really that's what happens. That was because they were building up that the Scorpion King movie would be a thing, but since the Mummy Two happens first, the Scorpion King's about, and it's just CG rock. Like it's such a bizarre thing. <laughs> uh, they could yeah they could have done better with that uh, in the movie in the Mummy Two. <laughs> yeah. Um, another another comment on the uh, subreddit is from Hey Josh Rob points out. Uh, what scientist would just allow two kids to come with him to an archaeological dig site? Kids break shit on an everyday basis. They're going to be screwing around and fuck that place up. Which I get why, like, an uncle would try to, like, let me show you some cool stuff. But it feels like Uncle Ben was really not professional at all. No. No. No, he was he was real into his job, but he definitely did not uh, think through his actions. That's for sure. Uh, I, I was starting to wonder, what if Uncle Ben is not a real archaeologist? What if he's just, like, a crazy dude who just started to wander into pyramids? <laughs> and he's got it like he's got an Italian job team that comes in with him, or like is like <laughs> yeah, he was like they're oh, just man, trying to rob the, the place. One? I can't believe it. He tried to steal my 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 kids. Joe Scotter Scotterpuss had a great um, thing that he said too, which was um, in his post read miscellaneous thoughts. Uh, Quote, they should invent a car that stays cool, in, cool inside when it's parked. And he says, was R.L. an inventor and a porn director before writing these books? Because I think he invented <laughs> air conditioning and he invented new Coke in this. Damn. He really was a forefront visionary. He was. Oh, God, R.L. Stein, rest in peace. He's not dead. Uh, <laughs> He's dead inside. Guys, what else do you think we could learn from this book? Is there anything else? Don't go 
out chasing of your hotel. Yeah, if you don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. Don't go, don't go out of your hotel if you are in a foreign land. Cat just ran into the microphone. <laughs> uh, uh, don't go, to, don't go outside uh, in a foreign land if you don't have your parents because you will get kidnapped. Yeah, stay by your parents. Yep. Yeah, don't uh, don't hang out with murderers, murder men. The guy that looks scary when your uncle takes you into the pyramids, that, that's the guy to avoid. The guy that's looking at you weird. Yeah, and I guess, like, tell police and authorities about anything, any anything at all, please. Yes. Uh, I guess the other thing I would take from this is that if I ever see a mummy hand at a yard sale, I'm buying it. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's anything else. We probably should just uh, read some reviews, right? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's do it. Guys, thank you so much. Sorry, guys and girls, thank you so much for everyone who uh, feeds back on the show. I will mention we had some amazing messages. Uh, everyone who tweets at us on Twitter at Goosebuds Pod, there's a ton of you guys. We love all of your feedback. Everyone from there, from like from James Core to Cat O'Connor to uh, the Zaghernot, uh, Steve Vidya, TC Little, everyone who just tweets us out how they're enjoying reading the books are amazing. Uh, actually, I have a wonderful message sent to us from a listener that is actually married and listens to the podcast with his wife who enjoys Aww. it together. There's a married couple. Uh, I love it. I love that someone's gotten their life together. Uh, <laughs> he, I wanted to read read their message. This is from Ishtuck. He said, uh, hey, just want to say that I'm loving Goosebuds. My wife and I enjoy sitting down and talking about our own memories and notable moments from each book discussed after the episode ends. And we really like the chemistry the three of you have on the show. Been appreciating all your work since the very beginning and glad to hear everything's working out. Thanks for working hard to create new kinds of content. So Aww. that was for all of us. Uh, it was pretty great. Also, he mentioned that Scott is the best. So, uh, <laughs> but, Oh, now I know how to get my thing read on the show. <laughs> Just... If you want to get your thing read on the show, send me an amazing ska song. <laughs> if I like it, you're guaranteed on. I'm just going to finish everything I send you from now on with, like, mustard plug or skank yeah, and or pickle. Pick them up, pick them up, pick them up, pick them up. <laughs> uh, we also have some amazing people who have left us reviews on iTunes. Uh, honestly, to support the show in its current way, the best way to do is to go on iTunes. I know it's weird and annoying and strange. But go on and make an account or log into your account and leave an awesome review, hopefully a five-star review. Uh, actually, you guys were so good after the last episode that we were featured on iTunes' New and Noteworthy for a couple days, which is pretty great. Uh, and that's all because of you guys. So thank you for that. Uh, we actually have a few good reviews. Uh, let's read Let's read a few. You guys got one? Yeah, yeah. Dom's going to start with one. I've, I've got one. This one is titled, I'm the guy who suggested the name Goose Buddies to Chad by Harker. Oh, yeah. By the way, that's the canon name for anyone who listens to Goose Buddies. Oh, yeah. Right? You're goose all buddies. Goose Buddies. All the Goose Buddies out there. <laughs> um, uh, did you guys know? Oh, wait. This is Sidebar. Anyway. What? I was going to say the well, name of the skeleton who promoted Goosebumps. Do you know who his name is? No. Curly. Curly, Curly yeah. skeleton oh, with yeah. cool sunglasses. I actually sunglasses. did know that and forgot. Yeah, dude, I saw uh, my friend had a curly pog. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this one and his name is uh, Harker de los Muertos. Uh, he says this podcast has it all. Paul Ritchie's sensuous tones. Is that, that you? The, is that that word? Yes, sensuous, sensuous tones. Sensuous. Thank, thank I can, you. I they are. It's hard to read from back here. Yeah. Uh, Chad last names really loud laugh, <laughs> and uh, Dom Mosquito's voice that my buddy says reminds him of Bert from Sesame Street. Yeah. Well, you know what, Parker? <laughs> I've said that already, so it's not your 
buddy who said that. It's me who said that. I thought we agreed that you were. Talk, I thought we agreed that you were a Kermit and I'm, not well, a Well, I'm more of a just a, a generic Muppet. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I think Bert's one of the realest dudes though on Sesame Street. So. Yeah, they were. Uh, this series is great if you have any sort of childhood experience with Goosebumps, and these guys make the ride super enjoyable. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Arger. Uh, I got I got one that I'll read. Uh, this is from Fat Guy in a Box, uh, which is uh, he says, "Come listen to three grown men read books, read kids' books, and slander their author," which is the most succinct description of this podcast ever i would say so yes it's lovingly slanderish though like we we do love rl stein we we owe a lot to this man we are we rl rl stein and (laughs) rl stands for really love real love uh i got one from one of the best names so far reviewed on podcast xxx underscore 420 sephiroth forever underscore xxx uh says childhood relieved I remembered reading Goosebuds as a child, totally not still a kid. That'd be weird. This podcast of completely serious critique is a refreshing change from all the jerkwads who make fun of the genius that is R.L. Stein, <laughs> author of the acclaimed and award-winning series Goosebumps. <laughs> if you think about it, you'll realize that the podcast is actually a clever play on words and not the Goose Enthusiast podcast I originally mistook it for. <laughs> if anyone actually found this podcast looking for like goose mating rituals or like how to care for a goose, I hope you stuck around. <laughs> we, we uh, might but talk again, about uh, all of your reviews helps out the podcast a ton. We can't thank you enough. If you've not left a review, uh, please do. It's hugely helpful for us, and we love hearing from you guys on either the iTunes reviews, uh, our subreddit, our Twitter. By the way, uh, if you guys don't follow RL Stein on Twitter, he has the most uh, like non-interesting, <laughs> just like like oh no, look at this, gas prices are going up of a Twitter account that I've ever seen. It's <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. It's wonderful. He saves it for the books, Chad. <laughs> That's true. He's spilled it all out into the books. At this point now, he's just normal, ordinary man. Hey, uh, I just wanted to bring up another way. You know what? This is – okay. Uh, 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 leaving an iTunes review is a great way to support the show. But you know what's great about podcasts, guys? Sharing it with a friend. Get somebody mm-hmm. else into the show so you can talk about it with them. And honestly, that's a great way to support the show as well because word of mouth is how podcasts usually uh, get an audience. You know? Yeah. You know what else is great too? If everyone would just give us like a dollar a day <laughs> for forever. Are you inventing Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> and we would have a lot of money if a couple of you did that. It'd be all right. So, you know, just think of it as like uh payment. Payment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's 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 hold off on that before we get audited by the IRS. But also that'd be a pretty that'd be a pretty good idea. More importantly, if you guys are looking for other great things to listen to, there's a ton of other awesome podcasts that we're part of and other friends are part of. Uh you should go listen to Dom on fantasy fiction. Great, great episodes of writing fantasy and making jokes about butts and dicks. I hope you think that's an okay way to describe it. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, or go check out uh, Paul. Are you guys doing continue cast anymore? That's, that's that's on hiatus, right? Yeah. Well, we're probably going to. Um, well, we're, we know we're going to do this new show, the Continue Quest, where we're going to like do more of a Let's Play style thing, but well, with yeah. with a podcast type format. So uh, that's, why, that's why don't you just uh, naturally just go off of me just saying that you can just talk about like oh yeah, and also we're doing this one. You can just set it up if you want to mention it. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. You, you wanna, do you want to start again? Yeah, I'll just go into it. Sure. Uh, there's a ton of. 
Yeah. There's also a ton of great audio content uh, that we all make and our friends make and we're all part of. If you're looking for anything else to listen to while we're making new episodes of Goosebuds, uh, Dom, if I can speak on your behalf, you have the amazing fantasy fiction that Paul and I have both been on as guests with our good friend Josh, where you guys read uh, made-up stories of fantasy and butts and dicks and hot babes. Uh, correct, uh, but they aren't made up. They're real. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Sorry. They are real. They are canon and they are real in another world. Uh, you guys have a few other ones. Like, Paul, what else do you guys got? Well, uh, we had ContinueCast, but we have we put that on hiatus, and now we're moving into doing this show called Continue Quest. It's going to be great. It's going to be a Let's Play-style show where we play a game for a long period of time and we don't edit it down. But we're planning on doing it with like a podcast type of vibe where we have prompts, where we talk to each other about specific topics um, that related to the game and related to what the game makes us think of. And probably uh, question and answer stuff, too, with the fans. Like gas prices, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if you're looking for anything else, I do also do a podcast called Paranoia Shop. You can find it online. Uh, where I, me and my great friend and writing partner Aaron Walkie uh, cover like ghosts and paranormal and conspiracy theory stuff. So uh, it might be up your alley as well. There's tons of cool stuff to check it out. Uh, no matter what, guys, thank you so much for listening. You're you're wonderful people. We love you. Thank you for listening. And until next week, beware. Bud, you, bud it up. You're in for a, a good bud time. <laughs> <laughs> If you're reading along, the next book we'll be talking about is Goosebumps 6, Let's Get Invisible. It's got a child on the cover, and, well, he's half-disappeared. <laughs>